What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your ghostly host, Kate Eek Goulden. It's Katie Golden, I'm doing a spooky Halloween name. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I like to dive into the brains of humans and animals and get all gross and sticky. Welcome to Creature Features Spooky October Spooktacular, a thing I just made up. Today on the show, superstition, black cats, crows, ravens, and a mysterious demonic monster. Where do superstitions come from? What are the facts behind the superstition? And are crows really conspiring against us? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, do Satanists like to kiss cat butt? So superstitions are a powerful force throughout human society. About 50% of polled Americans report holding some superstitions, as children were particularly adept at picking up superstitions. Researchers found that young children from 3 to 5 years old will dutifully rub a pebble against their forehead when told it can help them study. This seems cute and funny, but as adults, we're not much better. A study found that college students were more likely to keep lottery tickets that had their, quote, lucky numbers on them than those with random numbers. Whether we carry a lucky charm, avoid a crack in the sidewalk, think we're on a lucky roll in the casino, or whatever weird little habits we try to do and get a certain outcome, we're all to a certain extent superstitious. 
But being superstitious isn't a sign of being stupid, it's quite the opposite. As intelligent creatures, we form connections. This allows us to figure out tools, language, ideas, philosophy, technology, art, and bad puns, basically everything that makes humans special. Of course, making connections can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes they make sense, like, if I wear a sweater, I'm less likely to be cold later. But sometimes they don't make sense, like, if I wear my lucky never-washed underwear, maybe this will be the day I'll win the lottery in the heart of my crush, despite smelling like unwashed underwear. Superstitions seem to reach a fever pitch when it comes to animals. I think this has to do with our natural curiosity about our fellow living creatures and both our tips to understand them and our misunderstandings. As we have throughout history tried to figure out the animal kingdom, we have sometimes developed superstitions about those animals which we deem mysterious or spooky. So today we'll be exploring some of the animal superstitions, the scientific facts behind these animals, and why our brains, and even animal brains, can be superstitious. Joining me to go on a superstition expedition is comedian, writer, podcaster, filmmaker, and Garfield lover, Joey Clift. Yeah, hey everybody. I uh, Okay, so a couple things. Um, I wish I thought of like a, a Halloween name before this. I guess I should be like Joey Cliff. But like the cliff is where a person Joey, got thrown off. Joe of. Eek Clifthanger. <laughs> yeah, Joe Eek Clifthanger. There we go. We um, <laughs> and uh, just for the record, um, I definitely uh, rubbed a pebble on my forehead and am wearing my unclean underwear before going on this show. Not for superstition pers- uh, reasons. I'm just weird. <laughs> he just enjoys it. Yeah, yeah, it's just how I live my life. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk superstitions. Yeah, for sure. I brought you on, especially because you're a fellow cat lover. I want to talk about black cats today. Oh, my favorite. I mean, my favorite kind of cats, but also every kind of cat is my favorite kind of cat. So that does not narrow it down. Right. You would, you would, you just showed me like an orange cat that looks like Garfield and you're like, this is my favorite cat. And then you look at another cat and you're like, that's my favorite cat. Yeah. I guess it's just like any cat that I'm looking at or thinking about at any given moment is my favorite cat. Right. It's a real uh, object permanent situation. <laughs> <laughs> so as you may know, uh, in Especially in Western Europe, uh, there's superstitions about black cats and them being unlucky, like you're not supposed to be. If your path is interrupted by a black cat or a black cat walks in front of you, it's bad luck, which seems a little weird. So I was kind of curious where this started, what this kind of superstition originated from. My guess is that the uh, just the dog lobby was very powerful <laughs> in 17th century Europe. <laughs> It's just this like teetering man in a trench coat with like oddly dog-like features and it's like yes cats are bad yeah but it's like it's like it's a dog so he's like gross cats are bad and nobody's like it's me man manerson and i am here a human fellow telling you that cats are bad as an unbiased human uh i mean look if like 10 dogs learn to climb into a trench coat and like uh, right on each other's shoulders and also speak English. I feel like I would listen to him. Just yeah, you should trust like, that. They really, wa- they, they really wanted this. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in Western Europe during the Middle Ages, black cats became associated with the devil. People believed that black cats were witch familiars or even witches in disguise. There's this old story about a black cat who had rocks thrown at it, which, come on, oh, no. don't do that. Um, and then it limped away into a woman's house. A woman- <laughs> so a woman lived in that house. <laughs> right. And then a woman came out and was limping on the same foot as the cat. QED, ergo, the cat was a witch in disguise. 
guys. Perfect science. Perfect science. Yeah. So the, the origin of this idea of cats being satanic may be due to a papal bull, which is a public decree in, I guess, the the church, the Catholic church, um, by Pope Gregory the Ninth in the 1230s. So the decree was called Vox in Rama. I don't know. I don't speak Latin. So I think it's like speech in Rama. Yeah. It's like Vox is speech. Yeah. <laughs> right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, described a satanic ritual. So quote, a black cat descends backwards with tail erect. First the novice, then the master, then each one of the orders, so these are Satanists, uh, who are worthy and perfect, kiss the cat on its buttocks. Then each returns to his place and speaking certain responses, they incline their heads towards the cat. Forgive us, says the master, and the next one to him repeats this, a third responding, we know, master. A fourth says, and we must obey. So th- these are Satanists kissing a cat on the anus and then asking it to forgive them wow so i think that uh today i've learned that i'm a satanist (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's weird uh yeah i mean i wonder like what is the root of that why like was this based on some like pagan ritual or whatever or was the pope just looking for an easy scapegoat or scape cat as it were (laughs) or just like why did they why did they pick on cats why i think the latter basically propaganda Cats are kind of mysterious looking. Right. Uh, they aren't like a dog where they kind of obey you. And so maybe this idea of this kind of mysterious dark creature that, you know, its eyes glow in the dark. And there, there's something, you know, spooky about that. But it's totally made up. Like this never happened. As far as I know, this has never been a satanic ritual. Right. Um, but it's just propaganda to make it like, look how spooky and weird these satanists are. not a satanic are. ritual. It's just something that uh, me and a lot of my cat lover friends do look, all the time. Yeah. I mean, you guys are already probably riddled with T. Gandhi eyes. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the amount of cats that I've kissed directly on the mouth yeah. is like, it's like, I, I'm sure I have toxic. And that's just like one step removed from the butthole because that yeah, mouth yeah. is on the butthole almost 24 7 oh so yeah it's, it's on like, the butthole 24 7 right it's also just part of the dietary system or part of the digestive system right yeah. right cats are little poop donuts yeah. uh, that spend <laughs> most of their time with mouth on their butthole like cleaning themselves and half of the other time eating stuff so it's just you know you're anytime you interact with a cat it's just one butthole i mean you said you're describing a cat as a poop butthole i know I know that I should be grossed out by that, but when you said that, it made me go like, "Oh, they are." Kind of. <laughs> because but, you, because you're absolutely riddled with oh, T. Gondii. Oh yeah, yeah, my brain is, is Toxoplasma gondii, which is a a, a little um, microorganism. Yeah it's, like yeah, yeah, it's a parasite that is in cat feces, and it makes rat like when rats get infected with it, it makes them lose their fear of cats, and uh, it's suspected, although that there's nothing scientific about this suspicion that oh, humans who are infected, maybe they become attracted to cats, but I, I don't, I haven't ever seen any evidence of it. It's it's stuff like the uh, t- specifically the toxoplasmosis. Um, it's they think that it makes like it makes people lazier and a little bit sloppier, mm. and it kind of like there are specific. It doesn't necessarily make them like like cats more or less, but it does do like kind of weird psychological things. Like I think it makes people a little bit more depressed. So it can trigger mental illness. Like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. that is a yeah. um, I think that is an actual finding where it can trigger um, people who are already predisposed to uh, schizophrenia. Yeah. It can trigger that. It's also funny because like a lot of the things of like oh maybe it makes people more sloppy, more lazy. But that's also isn't that just part of cat ownership? Like yeah. you and your cat becoming one. I've also described like every comedy person and comedy <laughs> of like it makes them. Like, 
like sloppy and a little bit lazy and like they're not very they don't clean their apartment very often. <laughs> and I wonder like with the 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 pope kind of like decree, I wonder how much of that is I mean, you assume people in the Middle Ages probably felt the same affection toward cats that like we do nowadays, right? right. They probably like kissed them on their little heads and talked about their cute peats and stuff like that. So I wonder how much of that is the church seeing that people are, quote unquote, putting this thing above Jesus or whatever, yeah. and um, kind of using that of like, oh, we got to like get people to stop caring about this thing that they love, because yeah, that's not the church. That's you know? certainly the truth when it comes to, um, we'll discuss a little later too, like with uh, corvids, like crows and ravens, yeah. um, anything that like had a positive association in paganism, um, they're like, no, actually that thing is bad yeah. to kind of try to tear people away from their old pagan rituals. Right. And, and I don't know if cats really have that much of an association with paganism, but it, it could just be another, like you said, another scape cat. Like, oh, you, you care about this cat? Well, actually the cat is evil or whatever. Yeah, that's, well, what if you cared that much about Jesus? Or whatever, right, exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus being jealous of a cat, that, yeah. that uh, makes sense. Look, if Jesus had cute little Pete's, I would <laughs> uh, talk about Jesus way more. <laughs> what What's that word you're saying? Uh, Pete's, uh, P-E-T-S. Look, if you're really if you're really involved in the cat side of the internet, you know what peats are. Are those you know the what, little toe beans? Yes, yeah, little toe beans. Okay. Their little noses. Uh, <laughs> these are all highly scientific terms. <laughs> so some historians believe that after this decree, it led to a mass slaughter of cats, uh, and some argue that this could have made the Black Plague more severe, as there weren't as many cats yeah. to kill the rat carriers of the plague. I haven't really found any definitive evidence of either um, mass slaughter or that this led to a worse plague just like i think it's just conjecture that this could have happened it's an alluring theory because it's such poetic justice of like we kill the cats oh no now we get the plague because the cats aren't there to protect us well yeah what is the it's like uh, i forget exactly what it is but it's like like it throws off kind of like the order of things when you like remove one species yeah. from it and then it like I forget the exact scientific term for it. Ecological There's... catastrophe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes sense <laughs> that it's like, oh, you remove the cats, the rats right. like, you know, kind of right. uh, explode in population size and with the rats kind of fleas explode in population size and then the fleas uh, have the plague or whatever. You know? Right, yeah. right. I mean, and it could have happened. I, I'm just, just, I just don't think there's, it's hard to There's really. There's evidence. Yeah. Right. There may be some anecdotal evidence, but there hasn't yeah. been any like solid proof of that happening. Right. But still, what we know did happen is that uh, people would torture cats uh, as oh, no. a way to fend off the devil. Maybe I shouldn't have had you on this episode. I'm yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, no, whenever it a gets, bad cat thinks it. It gets a lot better. Don't worry. Oh, good. <laughs> All over Europe, uh, burning cats was a common pastime Aww. because that was seen as fending off the devil. In Ypres, Belgium, uh, the festival Kattenstadt involved setting cats on fire and throwing them from the belfry of churches. So Kattenstadt is still celebrated, but thankfully it's now more of a celebration of cats than uh, hurting them. So, Aww, um, good. Yeah, so a jester tosses stuffed toy cats out to children who wait below and catch them. A giant cat puppet is paraded through the town square, and it features people dressed as cats, as mice and witches, and there's like a cat-themed parade. They even have Hello Kitty and Garfield now, and I'm going to show you. I am excited about this. Are they you. part of the parade, or just yes. they live in the town now? No, they're... <laughs> Uh, they are part of the parade. Let me. Um, when is like uh, what time of year is this? It's I think it's every second Sunday of May or something. I was um, I visited Eep a, a couple of years ago, and it's like I did not know this existed. Now I have to go back to celebrate cats with them. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a lovely city. If you haven't been, you should go. So uh, you see there's people dressed as cats, uh, little kids dressed as little dancing mice. These are my people. Um, here's a, it's a float, a float like with uh, Egyptian cats on it. Oh, finally cats are getting the respect they deserve. Um, oh, yeah, giant cats. Uh, um, I'm not really sure what exactly is going on here, but there's like a big demonic cat float with a bunch of birds uh, cute. playing I mean, drums. Uh, all I know is my toxoplasmosis is really <laughs> firing up right now. <laughs> and then let's uh, see, a bunch of witches, more dancing. Let's see, more wacky physical wacky, comedy. That's fun. Wacky physical comedy. There's um, a band. And then Hello Kitty. Oh, Hello Kitty's And part then of the it. moment we're waiting for yeah. a giant Garfield float. Uh, this is my kind of city. <laughs> uh, and then there's this giant effigy of a cat. Oh, oh, and there it's more cats. Uh, and then just like these giant cat effigies that are paraded around. Yeah, there's so a cat wearing a suit. Cat wearing a dress and a suit that are getting paraded around. Ah, oh, finally, they're getting the respect they deserve. Exactly. Uh, and then they throw uh, cats, the toy cats, off the church now, and kids catch them, and uh-huh. they get to keep them. So uh, I guarantee that if I went to that, I would be pushing kids aside <laughs> to get those toy cats. Mine, like mine. I'm a grown man. I need this cat. I need this cat more than you, kid. So that's a positive change. Yeah, uh, and I, I like that. I like that it switched to being, you know, like a right. horrifying sacrifice of cats right. to like just, I don't know, like we. It feels like the town of Eep is trying to make good in a yes. way that warms my heart. Yes. Going back back in time a little bit now, in Celtic mythology, the cat she, I think it's called the cat she, it, it looks, it's spelled like cat Sith, which is really funny to uh, me, like like a cat Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> but I do believe it is pronounced uh, cat she, um, um, like I, banshee. I just want to say, like Star Wars has been like dipping in popularity a little bit lately mm-hmm. and if they want to make cats. star wars more popular yeah cat make it, star wars yeah uh, it's cat star wars a cat sith i mean i would uh just <laughs> Mew, throw, Mew throw my skywalker. wallet muke skywalker uh uh ponces lay meow <laughs> <laughs> meowth vader yeah uh uh yeah meowth vader all this works uh, <laughs> i think all of my all of my star wars puns are gonna just be meow with their name like han sol meow yeah, chewy baka because it's like chew cats <laughs> chew stuff I don't know, i'm bad at puns <laughs> but yeah i mean i feel like cat sith lord is a princess real, lay around yeah play, oh, princess lay around oh that's good <laughs> So uh, the the cat she is a fairy creature resembling a large black cat with a white spot on its chest. Adorable. Uh, it's believed to be able to steal people's souls before burial. Adorable. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to prevent this, people watched over the body in late wake before the body was interred. Apparently, there were tricks to prevent the cat she from stealing the soul of the deceased. There was music, leaping around and wrestling to entertain the cat riddles that were left on unanswered so the cat she would try to figure them out yeah, cats classically bad at riddles right they'd even place catnip around the house to distract the cat she which is the cutest uh-huh. like funeral rite i've ever heard just please don't steal my dead grandma's soul here's yeah. some here's some catnip yeah, here's some here's some catnip we made you a mouse that like that's got a smiley face on it and it's filled with nip behold a small figure of a mouse filled with an interesting herb for you cat demon <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, just like oh, like somebody somebody's job uh, after your grandmother passes away is just to have a laser pointer that they like <laughs> that they like kind of wing around. This the room. will appease the cat demon. Uh, this is a, this is a, an adorable demon. <laughs> on Samhain or All Hallows Eve, I think I uh, pronounced this wrong on the last episode. I think I called it Samhain. That's how it's spelled, <laughs> but I think it's called Samhain. Uh, because the uh, Celtic pronunciations right. of things are all 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 weird. Right. The holiday. This is the holiday that Halloween is based on. So saucers of milk were left out for the cat she, so that they would bless the house. But if you didn't treat the cat she, they'd trick you by cursing your cows so they, their milk runs dry. So cats were the original trick or treaters in a way. Oh, <laughs> cats are great. Before we get into sort of the facts behind cats, there's just this uh, wonderful quote uh, from Groucho Marx that's a black cat crossing your path signifies that the animal is going somewhere. <laughs> Uh, which I kind of love, especially in the framework of evolutionary biology, because sometimes it's the most obvious thing is actually the truth when it comes to animal facts. Here's a modern day myth about black cats, which is that they're killed more on Halloween or that shelters won't adopt them out because they're afraid they'll be used in satanic rituals. Right. This seems to just be kind of a, a rumor or an old, old wives tales. I can't find any evidence of this being true. And in fact, the ASPCA says like that's not true. You can adopt black cats year round. They're not worried about Satanists. I, I mean, if anything, it's like the Satanists are just going to kiss the cat's butt. So what's what's the problem? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's a way to because I, I uh, personal promo, uh, I run a Facebook group for Los Angeles comedians to share pictures of their cats. Nice. It's called the LA Underground Cat Network. It has 10,000 members. <laughs> Wow. And uh, like uh, that's something that like I mean uh, all, all around Halloween, uh, a lot of people in the group are always very concerned about people that are like trying to get cats adopted around Halloween. So if that, you know, it, it is for exactly what we're talking about of like worries of sacrifice and stuff like that. So like if that isn't the case, uh, somebody should publicize that more. Yeah, this is the thing that like cat lovers. Uh, are worried about, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's another thing I looked into to try to figure out if it's true. And unfortunately, I don't think there's a study that is conclusive yet, but the idea that black cats aren't adopted out as much. Um, and I've seen some shelters say like, no, that's not the case. And then other shelters saying like, yeah, anecdotally, we've noticed that. Right. Um, and some claiming it just like, well, black cats are so common, you see them more in shelters. So uh, it's not that they're adopted out at a lower rate. There's just like more of them. So you see them languishing in shelters more. But I can't really find anything definitive. So I know I, I read that someone was planning on doing a study. So I'll be really interested to see the results of that. Because I think, especially today, I, I, I just don't think that superstition around black cats are as powerful as they used to be. I mean, I think it's still something that like, it's something that I think is still still exists in the popular culture as a thing that people are aware of because it's been a thing for so long. Right. So like, it's like self-fulfilling a little bit in a way. But, you know, yeah, I don't necessarily think that people are worried so much about like bad luck and things like that. Yeah. So now let's do just some facts about black cats because Yay. they're actually quite interesting. So the reason they're black is there's a recessive gene that turns off the tabby coloration. Um, <laughs> I love that there's a tabby coloration. <laughs> so there are solid black cats. There are also black smoke cats whose coats go from white to black or gray to black. Aww. 
they can rust in the sun. So their black fur sometimes turns a lighter rust brown shade in、I've、the sun.、That. Yeah, because it's there's the eumelanin pigment present in their fur, which is actually kind of fragile, and so the sunlight will actually break down that pigment, and、uh, thus that kind of reddish brown color that happens. And there are actual potential benefits to their black coat.、Uh, researchers looked at melanism in cats and identified an, a gene called agouti, which controls black fur in cats. And the researchers believe that one purpose of the black coat could be like just camouflage. Like if it's dark, you can't see a black cat as well. But there's another theory that is not. Uh, proven, although there's been a connection made, which is that there's a possibility that melanism and that black coat、uh, can offer resistance to viruses.、Uh. Um, the melanism gene in South American jaguars and jaguarundis,、uh, which is a smaller wildcat,、right. uh, is also linked to the genes that control resistance to HIV infe- infection, which is something that cats can get feline HIV. Oh yeah, yeah. This is kind of speculative. They haven't really、uh, tested to see like. If there's if cats with black coats are actually more resistant to HIV infection, but it's a really interesting kind of promising avenue of research that I'm excited to see develop. And that could I guess that that could point to like why there are just more black cats, why we're noticing more black cats is maybe like because I mean、uh, like feline HIV that is definitely something that like comes up a lot and is、right. something cats are tested for. So like. If black cats are in some way resistant to that, that could be why one of the reasons there's a lot more black、right. cats. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, small uh, dovetail fun fact: Do you know how jaguars hunt? I know they drag stuff up trees. Yeah, they're they're intense. They like、uh, basically what they do.、Uh, they they hunt alligators and crocodiles, and the way that they do it is their jaws are so strong that they can they just strangle bite, them. No, they don't just strangle them. They can but with one bite pierce through their skulls. Oh yeah. So like it's just like a straight like kill shot. So jaguars are great. They have one of the strongest psi jaw、yeah. strength of yeah, the yeah, cats. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're just extreme. Like if you, I think also because they're not super fluffy, their hair is quite short. You can see how incredibly well muscled they are. Right. So like when they're carrying, they'll be able to carry prey up into the branches of a tree, which.、Right. Keeps their prey、uh, safe from other predators or scavengers, and it's just it takes. They have a whole antelope that they're just shoving up a tree. It's well,、yeah. incredible. When you watch that, and you're like, "Oh, if another antelope sees that, they're going to be like, 'Oh, I'm not, not going to miss my jaguar.'" <laughs>、uh, yeah, I mean, just like really, there are so many interesting cat species that have different like abilities and things like that. Do you know what like a caracal is? Yeah, yeah. The they're kind of the cute ones with the really tall、yeah. ears, with the little poofs. Yeah, they've got out. like they've got like super cute ears, but the way. They can jump so high that one of the ways that they hunt is that they literally will jump and intercept birds mid-flight、That's、out of、amazing. the air. There's footage of it on the internet. It is insane. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah because they are quite leggy. Yeah,、uh, yeah. My my cat would do that. Although she had a little bit of a cheat because she would sit next to the bird fountain <laughs> and just wait for birds to land there, and then she would just spring up. Oh, cute.、Uh, that. Doesn't. Adorable, yeah, destructive to the environment, but adorable.、Yeah. Wait, is your cat? Is your cat chonky? Is your cat like? Yeah. So this was my childhood cat. So she's she's in that big ball of yarn in the sky now. But、Aww. she she was a chonker. It was pretty cute because she was like very. She was quite.、Um, she wasn't overweight. It was more like she was just very fluffy, and she had that. Especially older, like female cats, will sometimes develop that just sort of waddle. <laughs> yeah, just like just like flub, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. flub. And so she she was like that. She was really cantankerous and grouchy. But okay, so、um, when she passed away, 
Did you uh, did you use a laser pointer to distract the cat demon? <laughs> I feel like a cat demon and a regular cat. They'd be fine with each other. No, but, you know, when my other cat passed away, who was my other childhood cat, um, Binky, uh, my mom buried him in our backyard. And the next day, a bobcat, a young bobcat, was sitting next to the gravesite, which my mom was like, he's reincarnated into a bobcat. I'm like, that bobcat wants to eat his corpse. But, you know... (laughs) still cute well yeah that is one of those things where it's like yeah you think about like the superstitious thing of it it's like oh it's like that bobcat saying goodbye and it's like no scientifically that bobcat's like right. waiting for you to turn around right. so it can dig into the ground I, I, I like the, the idea though that maybe maybe my cat and the bobcat were friends and the bobcat's like respecting the cat but uh, yeah, no like, but probably re- not yeah like uh, well let's just say real recognizes real in that situation <laughs> As someone with OCD, I'm intimately familiar with superstition, and I find it interesting how the mindset of superstition can be harmful or helpful. Some days, I'm really good at problem solving as I make connections between seemingly unrelated ideas. Other days, I'm worried that if I chew unequal amounts of food in the sides of my cheeks, everyone I love will die. I wonder, though, if the problem solving skills are more valuable than the random superstitions are harmful. While OCD may be an extreme example, research shows that superstition may be an evolutionary benefit. Harvard and University of Helsinki researchers Dr. Kevin Foster and Dr. Hannah Coco created a mathematical model to see whether superstition could help with evolutionary survival. They found that despite the high error rates with superstitious behavior, this strategy can still lead to higher rates of survival, thus being favored by natural selection. So is wearing your lucky underwear a deeply ingrained evolutionary skill? Maybe, but I don't think it makes you special. When we return, we'll discover that humans aren't the only superstitious ones. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com. 
where America goes to hire. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Birds were more alike than we realize. In 1948, B.F. Skinner conducted a famous set of experiments involving a box and food and birds. He placed hungry pigeons in a box, a cage really, and offered them brief access to feeding trays at regular intervals. The pigeons began to engage in interesting behaviors. They would start to spin around, thrust their heads up, or rock from side to side, seeming to connect these behaviors to the arrival of food. Once they had formed a specific superstitious habit, it continued even once Skinner started to increase the time between feedings. The pigeons, probably desperate for some control over their lives, were trying anything to see what would stick, even turning counterclockwise without fail, waiting for their food. Now, I don't think these pigeons are dumb, and I don't think humans who engage in superstition are stupid either. I think, in a way, superstition is a way to try and feel some semblance of control over our dumpster fire lives. If we feel helpless like a pigeon stuck in Skinner's evil little device, we're going to try anything to feel that we're doing something to help our situation, even if that means blaming all our problems on, well, birds. So, now moving on from cats, I want to talk about crows and ravens. Boo, I'm <laughs> leaving. Um, that's that's very interesting. And I um, I definitely feel that in my own life in that, like, before you have, like, you know, a, a big job interview or a big meeting or, like, you know, anything that has any level of pressure, I feel like a lot of us have just things that we do that make us feel like, oh, because I did this, I feel less right. nervous about this thing that I'm about to do. Like, I used to wear, um, this is uh, pre-finding out that he's a monster, but I uh, used to wear, like, a, like a Hulk Hogan wristband um, <laughs> to uh, job interviews and stuff like that when I was in college. And, you know, it's something that whenever I would not do that, I would definitely feel more nervous right. about it. Whenever I would do that, I would feel a little bit more like, yeah, Hulkamania has got my back on this one. <laughs> I used to have this little uh, Celtic knot ring that I got at, at this fair. And like when I wore it, I had a really good time at the fair. Yeah. And so I started wearing it again. And I was a kid. And of course, I think with my OCD, it makes those superstitions even stronger. I see so clearly the cause and effect of, right. of the superstitions. Like, okay, one time I wore this ring and I had a good time. So then I started wearing it in order to have a good time again. And then that transformed into if I don't wear it, I'll have a bad time. Right. Um, and it's, it's just... Just like those those pigeons where the, it's really funny because they would just try to do a, a behavior like rocking back and forth. And if the food came after that just by chance, they're like, oh, rocking back and forth equals food. I think it's just so interesting that we seem to have this desire to make these connections. Like, almost like it's a little scary to feel like we don't have control over right. our environment. And yeah. then if we can make these connections, maybe we can get a little more control. Right. Especially with death, because like death is the 
ultimate uncontrollable force. So if we can make superstitions surrounding death, like bad omens and things, we feel like, okay, maybe I know when it's coming, maybe I can feel some reassurance that I have some control over my own mortality. And that kind of brings us to to crows and ravens, because they're they're the uh, sort of ultimate like bad omen of death. Well, I, I wonder how much of that is not to not to make it about cats again, <laughs> but I'm gonna. Um, I wonder um, how much of that is um, you know like if we talk about like the things like you know burning cats or sacrificing cats when like a loved one dies or whatever. Like, how much of that is oh your loved one died? You feel like you like you feel like guilt that you didn't talk to them enough or that you weren't nice enough to them or maybe like they sucked and you feel like conflicted about like mourning somebody who was who was lame or bad or whatever and you feel like by doing some kind of sacrifice or some kind of ritual or hmm. whatever the uh, you know like uh, putting catnip around your house to scare away the cat <laughs> god that you feel like you're kind of making right on your like past yeah. things that you did or didn't do with that person right like um, having some control over your relationship with them even once you no longer have that control because they're gone right um i mean i definitely like i will talk to dead people in my life and it's like i don't often talk to the dead people in my life who i had a great relationship with usually i just think of them fondly when i had a bad relationship with them i'll like lament out loud almost this desire to communicate with them is stronger when you had a fractured relationship which i think is interesting when it's also like with a fractured relationship you there are more blanks that you can kind of fill in with whatever you want it to right, be. Right, like catnip and cat gods. Yeah, 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 you fill it with catnip and cat gods, all the great things. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. Like, a lot of it is, like you said, it's like seizing control over something you don't really feel like you have control over. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. I saw this, um, this story. I don't know the veracity of it, really, but it was on Facebook, so it has to be true. Yeah, no question. Um, <laughs> and it was this video of this woman where this cardinal lands on her and she's like crying with tears of joy and like the backstory is that uh her i think either her sister or her mother had passed away and she said like if when i pass away i'll I'll give you a sign you know after i'm gone that i'm still there with you and so she took the bird landing on her as the sign and i think that's another that's another thing that like that magical thinking gives us a connection to things that maybe we otherwise are kind of out of our, our out of our grasp um, just a, a personal story. I, when I was in college, I took um, an entomology class. And um, part of the entomology class is that we had to raise um, caterpillars. So they gave us a caterpillar. They gave us like a cup with the caterpillar's food in it. With um, the thought process being that like you'll raise it into you know, a moth or whatever. Right. And um, it was uh, particularly cold um, in that winter. And I like was really excited about raising this caterpillar. And I raised it to the point where it was in a cocoon. And then just like it was very clear um, after like a couple of days that like I don't know probably wasn't gonna right. wasn't gonna emerge wasn't from gonna the cocoon. Pupate, yeah. yeah yeah and um, I uh, before that gave it a name Bugzilla <laughs> and I uh, cut out a picture of Mothra and taped it to the inside of like its like home that I'd built for it Aww. just so it could have like a hero. Right. <laughs> and um, I, I went to Washington State University and um, at the time I'm not sure if it's still around anymore but there was a bar called Valhalla. And um, after the um, the caterpillar, you know, presumably passed away, didn't uh, didn't become a moth or whatever. Um, I got a bunch of my friends together. We put on suits, and then we like took the dead caterpillar <laughs> to Valhalla, 
And then I like, uh, we all went to like one of the toilet stalls and like put it in the toilet and flushed the toilet with like our hands on our chest. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I was like, oh, we put it to Valhalla like a true right. warrior. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, ultimately that's uh, madness if you track it. Right. But it, but it made us feel better. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, like I know my bro- when one of my fish died when I was a kid, I was about to flush it. And my brother was like, you can't do that. We've got to bury it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we had a little funeral for the fish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like afterwards you felt like, oh, you know, ultimately like so much of what happens um, in life is just like random chaos crashing yeah. together. Those little things that you do make it feel more under your control and more yeah. like makes more sense. Like random death makes more sense when you kind of ritualize it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Speaking of random death, the Greeks As you were. In in Greek mythology, which is often they seem to just try to really make sense of the capriciousness of the universe. Ravens were seen as bad omens, um, and also God's messengers to Earth. So the story goes that Apollo, the sun god, had sent a white raven to spy on his lover Coronis. But when the raven returned, it brought news of Coronis. Cronus's infidelity. And Apollo was so angry, he set the raven on fire, which, and, and then that turned it black. But that seems really rude. Like the raven's just doing its job. Yeah. Uh, first off, drama. <laughs> uh, second off, yeah. What the F? Like, what did you, did you want it to lie to you? Um, yeah. Whoever did that. Sucks. Burning the messenger, literally. Yeah. Um, in the Jewish religious text, the Talmud, the raven was considered to be one of the only animals to have sex on the ark. Uh, so God punished them. <laughs> <laughs> only uh, only the Bible on the ark. In Celtic and Serbian literature, ravens are associated with warfare and battle. And one of the reasons I think that crows and ravens and other corvids are associated with death and battle is that they often feed on carrion. Right. This might be why so much folklore is about them being an omen of death, because they literally will show up when something dies because right. they want to eat its eyeballs. Because eyeballs are good. Yeah, they're real <laughs> It's like the original gusher, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. In terms of being bad omens, corvids, which includes ravens and crows, it's that family of birds. Um, it's mostly in Western European culture, potentially or perhaps partially due to the fact that they were associated with the god Odin in Norse mythology and Christianity sought to slander these pagan symbols so people right. were less likely to follow them. But in South Asia, they are associated with sages and as guardians in the Hindu religion. In Bhutan, the raven is the national bird and it's associated with bravery and guardianship in mythologies of the indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest Coast. Hey, name the tribe. I'm from, I'm indigenous. I'm, I'm enrolled Cowlitz. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of tribes. Can I show you that? Yeah, yeah. I, let me see if I grew up on any of these reservations. Um, uh, Tillamook, Chinook. Uh, yeah, these are all, these are all around where I grew up. This oh, is awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. Do you know about this then? Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I, like I grew up on a reservation. I went to tribal schools up until, um, seventh eighth grade so like i guarantee that there was uh, an assembly that we had where uh, an elder told us these stories while i was playing a game <laughs> um so yeah I, I there was definitely a lot of like things surrounding specifically like pacific northwest it, it, the term is like coastal salish is sort of what the region oh, yeah. is and um there, there's a lot of 
stuff about crows and ravens kind of in that mythology. Yeah, and I think there's a more it's a more positive association because it's involved in uh, creation myths yeah. rather than like I think I think it's just really interesting to me that it's really mostly the Christian areas of Western Europe uh, where it's associated with these negative things, and you can right. kind of almost trace it back to this propaganda effort to make them seem bad because they were associated with Norse or pagan mythology. Yeah, it's I mean there's a lot of that stuff like a lot of there's so much. It's really interesting to see where like superstitions and religious beliefs kind of stem from um, uh, like people can look at the same symbols and interpret them differently based on how they interact with them. So like um, I want to say in like Egyptian religions, um, the like the Niles River is or the Nile. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The Nile. um, uh, The Nile is seen as like a very, um, I guess, kind god or very kind thing within like ancient egyptian religions um because the nile like floods very reliably it's like it floods you know every six months or whatever they know exactly when it's going to do it exactly how long it's going to take it's um like it fertilizes land and does a lot of really great stuff whereas like the nearby tigris tigris and euphrates rivers um are kind of complete chaos and they flood just like whenever so like because of that um, Mesopotamian religions that were more near the Tigris and Euphrates looked at rivers as being kind of like chaos gods, right. essentially. So, like, even if you take something as just like literally a river, or like you said, like you know, uh, like corvids, like just you know, uh, it's entirely based on like, are there a lot of corvids in that area? Is there like a uh, is there a scary guy in your neighborhood that likes a corvid? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't like that guy. So corvids are bad, you know, like. It is, it's interesting to see how that stuff kind of develops based on like situations. Yeah, yeah. In Swedish folklore, ravens are thought to be the spirits of murdered men. It's still associated with death, but in a different way, where it's yeah. like rather than them being omens of death, they're like a result of someone dying in a right. way. So it's like it's still kind of that death association, but instead it's like a, a risen spirit from someone who has died. You have a slight similarity, but then it, it's in, just the interpretation is different. So, okay. Crows, maybe they're around carrion, maybe they're associated with death, but instead of being a sign of death to come, they're like, oh, it's a spirit of someone who's died. Well, yeah, it's more like uh, a crow. Uh, a crow appeared at that guy's funeral. He must have been a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> like it is, it's kind of looking at it as like uh, the residue of something as opposed to the right. cause of something. Right, yeah. which I think is interesting because it yeah. easily can go either way. Yeah. Um, as, as the case with any mythology or superstition where it's like just like a slight difference in interpretation will yeah. turn into a different result. There's an ancient Greek saying that the swans will sing when the jackdaws are silent, which means that wise people will speak after fools stop talking, which I got to correct the Greeks. The saying is actually backwards because swans are rude, oafish jerks and <laughs> jackdaws and other corvids are actually very intelligent. Right. Well, yeah, there is also like I feel like there are a lot of sayings like that where, like, when you analyze them, you're just like, oh, it's clear that the person that came up with that saying has never met a cat before. Right, or, like, or never met a swan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they only know of swans in theory. They don't know that they're big jerks. Right, exactly. They just look at a swan and it's like, oh, it's pretty and elegant. But yeah. really, no. If you've ever been chased by a swan. <laughs> Have you been chased by a swan? Well, my mom has. She she was in, uh, I think she was in the UK and she got chased over a long distance by a swan and it was just like really terrifying wait how long is a long was the swan like waiting outside of her hotel room was this a several day was this a revenant situation with the swan swan like she got in a taxi and the swan like hopped in another taxi taxi. it was like follow that uh i mean that would be i want to see somebody make the revenant but with a swan (laughs) 
just this like this swan wing burst out of the ground and claw its way up. Oh, that'd be I difficult. think that's basically the goose game though, isn't it? Yeah, that's basically <laughs> <laughs> That was the pitch for untitled goose game. It was like, I wanna make the revenant, but what if it was a goose? <laughs> Have you have you played Untitled Goose Game? I haven't, but I'm so excited too. Yeah, me too. I've uh, I've heard it's incredible. I think we're uh, installing it in the office. I'm excited. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've just seen enough gifts of like a goose stealing a kid's glasses and I'm dropping it's them the in a river. It's the perfect game. It's the perfect game. It's just mischief. <laughs> uh, so let's get into some crow and raven facts. They are corvids, and I bet everyone's wondering what's the difference between a raven and a crow. Ravens are typically larger and they travel in pairs, whereas crows are a bit smaller and they travel in big groups. So like, you know, the titular murder Murder of of crows, crows, right? Although it's important to note, like people who actually study birds don't necessarily call like say like, oh, there's a murder. (laughs) They just (laughs) say a flock of of them. Crows tails are fan shaped, whereas ravens have a longer middle feather. So it's like they're giving you a middle finger with their butts. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) And ravens sound different from crows crows so i'm gonna do you want to play a little game try to do the difference between crows and ravens uh absolutely right. i want to play this game so i'm gonna play this call wait can we play this game with cats after this <laughs> just imagine them as flying cats oh, with beaks done <laughs> so am i guessing crow or raven yeah um i want to say that is a i'm gonna say that's a raven you're right. That is a raven. Yes. So by process elimination, <laughs> there's only two choices. <laughs> These are crows. Uh, let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's a raven too. Oh boy. So you can see like the raven call is sort of more of a what would you call that? Like a the raven is like a it's like a honk. Yeah, like a honk, and then the crow call is like a rah, it's rah, like call. Rah. Yeah, yeah, it's call. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, ravens' beaks are slightly larger and more pronounced. They have like little shaggier nose bristles, so the little right. like uh, m- mustache right above their beaks is a little bit poofier. Right. Both are very intelligent animals. So, according to a study at Lund University, Sweden, uh, ravens are able to make complex plans when presented with food-based situations, such as being able to exchange tokens for food or to use tools to obtain food. Ravens could plan out what they would need to accomplish the task and they would make preparations which ravens uh making preparations should just strike fear into everyone's uh. hearts they would also decline an immediate reward in favor of a functional item so if they can only pick one item and there's like a little piece of meat or something but then a tool they know they can use to get even more meat they'll choose the tool so that th- they can do delayed gratification, which is pretty incredible. Have you seen video of this? I've seen videos of them using tools uh, yeah. to get things out of things. This this study, I don't think there's a video of, unfortunately. There are a couple of, um, I uh, worked on like a National Geographic show a couple of years ago where we did a lot of, we a section was on like crows and ravens and stuff. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of really great footage of them, you know, essentially like learning how to use tools. And it's very, it's like very clear watching that they're like putting, that they're connecting pieces right. together. They cock their little heads and they're like, huh. Yeah. And they're like. They bend, they'll bend a wire yeah. so they can use it as a hook. Yeah. Like they don't just, they don't just use tools. I feel like there's stuff, like there was a new study recently where somebody found, um, there's footage that exists of a pig using a tool in the wild and um, this is the first time that's ever been like documented with like pictures and video and stuff like that. 
And the tool is like it basically just uses a piece of bark to like help dig for right. you know whatever. Whereas like a crow or a raven, I forget which a corvid, um, they'll like you'll literally watch them, yeah, like bend a piece yes. of wire. Like it's clear that they're not just like using something to help. They're like literally yeah. fun- fashioning a tool out of something. Yeah, New Caledonian crows are experts at that. So yeah. they will yeah, bend, yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. bend wire, they'll they'll form tools into shapes so that they can use them specifically for tasks. Yeah. Crows are also extremely good at identifying human faces. Oh, uh, I love this study. <laughs> they will harass experimenters that they remember if they did them dirty. <laughs> so <laughs> researchers suspected this to be true when they felt they were getting harassed by uh, crows after they had captured them for a study. To te- put this to the test, uh, experimenters wore masks and they held out taxidermied crows and then this distrust the uh, other crows they're pretty offended by them just like holding these dead crows Uh, so they issued alarm calls and they started to harass the experimenters Uh, and then weeks later uh, they wore the masks again and the crows recognized the masks and started to harass and scold them for their their horrible death cult that the crows probably thought they were in there's a there's a couple fun additions to the story it was a university of washington study i want to say in like the mid to late 2000s or something and uh, the mask that they wore was literally a Dick Cheney mask. Oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they uh, wore a, they wore a Dick Cheney mask and harassed these crows, and uh, the crows would caught them. And then, yeah, two <laughs> weeks later, they would come up with the same Dick Cheney mask, and the crows would uh, yell at them more. Um, so yeah, crows are super smart. This is great, though. So now crows, do you think like these crows, like if you somehow got Dick Cheney to come on to the campus, like they would attack Dick Cheney? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's like a if that's like a, just a political protest from, the, from their <laughs> researchers of just like, okay, so like Dick Cheney's doing a speech here in a couple of weeks, so we're going to get all these crows. So I'm what like, you're saying is we can train crows to hate the people that I also hate. Uh, I Interesting. Mean, I guess that if you like, I guess that if you yelled at a crow and then showed them a picture of one of your enemies <laughs> and said he did this, uh, you know, they'd probably crows are smart. They'd they figure are, it out. but yeah, it is. It is funny that like you can very clearly see that they feel spite, right? <laughs> Yeah, and also uh, they can use vending machines, which is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, like they're gonna they're gonna take over the world. Oh yeah, we're done. We're done. So researchers made a crow vending machine that would dispense bits of meat in exchange for strips of paper, and the crows would just like tear off little pieces of paper, dispense them into a machine, like a do- fresh dollar bill into a soda machine, and then they'd get their uh, get their little bit of meat. Um, actually, I, I hadn't heard about that study. That's super interesting. I want to see. The crow, where like they do this, but then the meat gets stuck before falling out, <laughs> and the crow is like, pounding on. on the machine, <laughs> or it like rejects the strip of paper, and they're like, and it's "Come just on!" Like, oh, straighten. Uh. Uh, uh, they've also been observed cracking nuts using crosswalks and yeah. passing cars. That's a pretty famous one. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. What I think is really interesting about the crow behavior is that this cause-effect intelligence is also the same kind of thing behind superstition. So, you know, that sort of like if I put a piece of paper in this machine, I get a piece of meat. You know, I I just wonder. I'm really curious to see if there's any uh, any studies that will come out about like corvid superstition that the corvids themselves have, because we know pigeons can do it. And I imagine that these these kinds of crows, which and and ravens, which are so intelligent, probably would develop some superstitious behavior because they can make that those causal connections. So. I mean, I feel like that's something that you see in like house pets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, like you know, like anybody's dog has like a favorite toy or whatever. Right. Um, 
like I'm not sure exactly what the cause of this is, but it's like cats oftentimes before they pounce will like wiggle their butt and then pounce. <laughs> That's actually uh, they're aligning their feet under their body in the optimal way so that they're spring loaded to pounce. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That's uh, that's way better than my theory, which is for luck. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, they it, may think it's lucky though. Yeah, but they've yeah, got yeah. a lucky butt. Yeah, yeah, uh, they got a lucky butt because so many satanists keep, 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 keep kissing their. Well, butt. They keep kissing our asses. So yeah, yeah. So it must be, be special lucky. in some way. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, like, it's clear that it's clear that an- that animals have emotional chal- intelligence beyond what we give them credit for. Yes. So, like, it-, it is easy to make the connection of, like, yeah, does your does your cat have, like, a lucky place that they sleep? Or does your dog have, like, a lucky, do they have, like, a lucky toy that they, like, really yeah. love uh, snuggling with before they eat or whatever? You my know? dog, I think my dog actually thinks she has a lucky ass because <laughs> every time she meets someone new, she will turn around and sniff her butt. Like, it's a compulsive behavior. Like, yeah. she will, like, or if she's coming up to greet you, she'll, like, sniff her butt first. And it's like She sniffs her own butt? <laughs> she sniffs her own butt. I wonder if that's uh, if that's the equivalent of, like... Checking your breath? Yeah, like checking your breath or just like, yeah, like looking in the mirror yeah. and like combing your hair yeah, beforehand. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it could be like just making sure my butt smells like butt. Yeah, just like, okay, yeah, it smells like a butt. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Stinky and ripe. Exactly how it's supposed to be. This to me is fascinating. Uh, in case you guys don't know, ravens can talk. Yeah. And so I've got a couple of um, clips that I want to play. This one's a pretty famous one from the Clovis Zoo in New Mexico. His name is Joe the Raven. Yeah, they can say like hello and stuff, right? Hangman's coming. So that's Joe the Raven. What did he say? Hangman's coming. Hangman's coming. Oh, creepy. Yeah. And then here's another. This is Mischief the Raven. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. (laughs) Birds actually have the syrinx, which is the the their kind of version of the larynx that can mimic human voices. Oh, that makes sense. Like parrots have that too, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, parrots, starlings, minor birds, uh, lyre birds. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few more species. So yeah. many more species than parrots can actually talk because they can mimic sounds. Uh, and birds, um, even songbirds who can't talk, like they, they are very good at memorizing sound combinations. Right. And they go through this crystallization period where they will learn these incredibly intricate songs. Yeah, I mean, I wonder at what point are you going to get like... Not a crow like learning somebody's a- learning somebody's ATM code or something like that, <laughs> uh, but like you know, uh, what is the what is the ceiling for this? Well, uh, the ceiling, as far as I know, is there was an African gray parrot named I think his name was Alex, uh, and he was able to identify objects based on what they were made out of. Like he, you could ask him what matter is this, and then he would say like metal or uh, or like wood or something. And so he could use. He seemed to be able to have some simple communication skills with his language. He would say goodbye or like good night or oh wow yeah. Or if he wanted something, I think he could say like you know want to go cage or something. Wow. It's very, very simple. I wouldn't say that he knows how to speak human language, but like how a dog knows certain things will get the dog certain things. So like if the dog whines, he'll get attention. Or if the dog rolls over on his tummy, like he'll get a tummy rub. Um, or if he right. like sits, if you tell him to sit and he sits, 
then or he like, gets a treat. Or like like an orangutan that knows sign language. Right, something. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also with like sign language, it's really hard to tell like how they're using the sign language because right. there's so much interpretation error in terms of like you'll interpret something as perhaps like a sign, whereas it may not be the sign that you think it is. Um, right. So there's a lot of human interpretation that can go wrong there. But I, I do think that, I mean, just as dogs can do simple communication non-verbally, I think that animals who are capable of mimicking our language can then do a verbal communication, although it's hard to say whether they understand what that means. Well, yeah, I mean, it could just be like a simple cause-effect thing where it's like they're, uh, this crow is aware that when it says food, it gets food. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know? So like, exactly. I guess that it means that means that it knows what food is, but like, right. um, uh, side note, have you ever seen a picture of the world's smartest dog? No. Uh, you should Google it. It's definitely clear that the dog is self-aware. <laughs> is his name Chase or is he the Border Collie? Oh, yeah. Let's see. There's a picture of this dog that's... that's... <laughs> he looks like he's looked into the universe. Yeah, it definitely looks like this dog <laughs> has contemplated uh, the state of things. His eyes are... So, he's like, I've seen, I've seen the universe. Although my dog also gets that look and it's usually right before she farts. So uh, uh, who knows what that means? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I take it back. Dogs are dumb as hell. <laughs> Superstitions about animals aren't always negative. In Kambolcha, Ethiopia, hyenas are regarded positively in folklore. They eat evil spirits and their laughing howls bear supernatural meanings. This superstition may be based in a very practical reality. The hyenas eat herbivores, which locals are grateful for, as an excess of herbivores can eat crops and disturb homes. So the people of the region make sure to share their space and make conservation efforts for the hyena. The British, who throughout history have had a checkered past when it comes to animal conservation, came to the rescue of the Barbary macaque due to a superstition. The legend goes that once the macaques disappear from Gibraltar, Britain would lose control of the territory, which they had captured from Spain in 1704. In 1942, the population of macaques had crashed to only about seven individuals. Winston Churchill, either out of tradition or superstitious belief, arranged for the macaques to be repopulated. Unfortunately, not all superstitions look so kindly upon rare creatures. When we return, we'll explore the soft side of a demonic monster. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. So... Imagine that you're just chilling in your room, sitting on your bed, but you hear a tapping on the ceiling above you. Tap, tap, tap. Then it's quiet again. Then you hear it. Tap, tap, tap. The taps then migrate from the ceiling down the wall. Tap, tap, tap. The taps get closer as if they're searching for you. You freeze, trying not to make a sound, but the taps get closer and closer. Suddenly, you hear a loud, scraping noise right behind you and the flash of long, yellow teeth. You scramble to hide under your bed. You think maybe you're safe. That's when a huge, bony finger scrapes under your bed and impales you on a sharp, needle-like claw. As you start to bleed out, you feel yourself being dragged up and forced through the hole in the wall into the jaws of the eye-eye. Uh. <laughs> you seem very scared. <laughs> yeah, I uh, definitely peed myself. <laughs> So, the I.I. is a lemur native to Madagascar. So, just, just so people know, lemurs are um, a type of primate that evolved independently from monkeys and apes. They're about five pounds. They're nocturnal, and they have huge yellow eyes. So, here's a few pictures oh, right, right, of right, them. Yeah. They're yeah, these guys. Them. Yeah, they've got, they got, like, long, weird fingers. They yep. basically scrape into, like, they get ants and stuff. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, they have wiry gray and white wild hair. A uh, long squirrel-like tail. Uh, their nipples are near their groin. Ha ha! <laughs> they have nictating membrane, like in cats. So Cute. you should like them. That's good. I love it's them. It's a third eyelid that protects the eye. Um, my favorite part of cats. <laughs> <laughs> they have teeth that perpetually grow. Cool. <laughs> they have huge, floppy, dobby-like ears, and it has a big middle finger. So uh, it has already has these long, narrow, bony fingers, but they have this really, really narrow and disproportionately long middle finger that just, it's so, it, it's really weird when you look at it. 
Um, I hope that uh, I know that there's I know the scientific reason for the middle finger. I hope that the real reason is they don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an omni tool. Right, um, right, yeah. It allows them to uh, tell authority how they think of them <laughs> and also hunt. <laughs> so it uses this long spindly finger to tap on trees, and it listens or feels for the vibrations uh, inside hollow channels in the trees. Then it listens for the movement of grubs inside these hollow channels. Um, once it finds a grub, it uses its sharp beaver-like teeth to rip open the bark, and then it shoves its long bony fingers right in the hole and then hooks and impales the grub, right. drags it up, pulls it out right into the mouth. Right. Um, so this is called percussive foraging, which sounds like a great name for a metal band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like... I feel like a metal, a successful metal song could definitely be written about using your giant middle finger to impale your enemies. <laughs> impale my enemies with my middle finger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good, that's a good metal lyric. Uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> in superstition, the I.I. is a demonic entity. Folklore holds that if it points its long, narrow middle finger at you, it has marked you for death. Or it's marked you as an <laughs> asshole that cut it off in traffic. Uh, that's a good joke. <laughs> I like that you. joke a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Another legend is that they break into your house and murder you in your sleep by stabbing your aorta with their pointy middle finger. Which is... But these things aren't that big. So no. Like, they're like four pounds. Yeah, I feel like if it tried, you could probably you could probably <laughs> fight it off pretty easy. Unless you're a grub, in which case, you know, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, if you're a grub, you're screwed, but I'm a big, strong man. Although, I mean, I don't think I'll ever take a threat seriously again unless it's I'll stab you in the heart with my middle finger. Yeah, that's like the most metal way to die. That is, and it's like, that is, that's when I know you're serious. If you're just like, I'll kill you, it's like, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's like, I will stab you in the heart with my middle finger. Yeah, with it's my like, middle finger. oh, you don't like me, do you? Yeah, and you also <laughs> want to make a point about it. Right. Despite the horror story I uh, gave you about the I.I., they are no threat to you or me. In fact, they're an endangered species. Oh, um, thank God. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, habitat destruction and hunting has put them at risk. Um, I think they're actually very cute. Yeah. Um, they're these adorable little guys who live in balled up nests of leaves and branches. Yeah, their eyes are big and weird, which is fun. <laughs> they also don't exclusively eat insects. They will eat fruit, seeds, and nectar. They just they just love eating, eating grubs and yeah. stabbing them with their weird fingers. Uh, the babies are really cute. Let me show you. Oh, I'm excited to see this. Here's a baby one. Oh, that is adorable. They are so cute. And like every picture of them, uh, if you're listening to this, I strongly recommend Googling a picture of an I.I. They look constantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. Uh, I'll, I'll include these in the show notes, some pictures of these. But their eyes are big and yellow and they, they look shocked. Um, some of them are uglier than others. Here's one that looks a little scrappy. Oh, uh, that one is cute. <laughs> but it's cute. They look like cute little demons. Uh, like they constantly look like they uh, they ordered a dinner at a nice restaurant and didn't pay attention to how much it cost <laughs> and just looked at the bill. <laughs> like, how much was what? that steak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i don't know it's just like the whole thing the whole look they've got going on with like the big the big ears the huge middle fingers the wide eyes it's like it's a little bushimmy yeah it's a little bit bushimmy it's a little steve bushimmy yeah but you know in a good way i yeah. like bushimmy yeah <laughs> well yeah it is uh what is it's the uh like the 
the section of the uncanny valley to something that is uh like a little bit scarier where it's still cute so like a dog wearing a suit or something like that right it's like in theory if you describe it it's scary but if you look at it it's like the cute version of scary right right it's i mean they they're sort of that like ugly cute thing yeah, yeah it's ugly, like cute's a good way to put it where it's sort of like sphinx cats where it's like yeah. they're horrible little butt monsters but they're cute yeah horrible little butt monsters yeah like i'd still i'd still kiss that butt i'd still i'd kiss look i would kiss an eye eyes butt <laughs> i'd i'd be that satanist <laughs> yeah you'd be, everybody'd be like oh geez we get it you did a study get a room of, you, you did a study abroad <laughs> you and that eye eye butt get a room <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit about some of the podcasts you're doing and uh some some of the cat related things you're doing as well okay so podcasts and cat related things i'm doing um so uh, I run the LA Underground Cat Network, a Facebook group for people who love cats. You should definitely check it out. Um, I uh, specifically cat-related things. I um, host a show called uh, Chats on Cats with Joey Clift at the um, Bright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles, where I just interview celebrities about their cats. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> we uh, don't have one in the books right now, but eh, I don't know. I'm sure it'll come up soon. You can, uh, if you want to hear me talk about uh, Native American stuff, I've got a podcast on um, Earwolf. Um, it's an Earwolf Presents show called Wow, You're Native American Too, where I interview other natives about native stuff. Um, if you uh, check out my Twitter account, got a link to it. It's great. Uh, this is a little bit of an old one, but I still think it's very funny. I've got a podcast called 25 Minutes of Silence, where the premise is that a guest and I just sit in silence for 25 minutes. <laughs> um, I uh, work very hard to get good guests. I've gotten former astronauts on the show. <laughs> Uh, Emmy women, Emmy winning writers. I got Ken Bone from the 2016 election to do wow. it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very but insane. How, how do we know? Because if you're just sitting in silence. Uh, I mean, always at the top of the show, I'm always like, oh, welcome to 25 Minutes of Silence. My name is Joey Clift. I'm here with uh, Katie Golden. Katie will say hi. And then, oh, right, well, anyway, with that out of the way, here's 25 Minutes of Silence. And then at the end of it, we plug each other's social media accounts and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, you know... You know it's one unbroken recording. Can you hear breathing, though? You can hear breathing, and oftentimes, like, you can hear background noise. So it's like, we don't, like, make eye contact and mm. stare and blinking the whole time. And the goal isn't for us to stay quiet. It's just for us to not talk. So, like, when I had the astronaut on the show, uh, he used that time to clean out his rain gutter, and I used that time to do my laundry. <laughs> I see, I see. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a real grab bag. <laughs> Uh, when Ken Bone did the show, he used it to reply to fan mail, which he still gets. I see. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and his address is not publicly listed, so mm. he does not know how people send him fan mail. Look, it, I mean, if it's to get at that that nice sweater bod, I think that people will find a way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, people, people are thirsting for Ken Bone. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesing for bones. And yeah, <laughs> Jonesing for a bones. <laughs> And can you explain for just like a minute or so your fascination with Garfield? Because uh, I share this as well. So okay, so um, I'm a really I'm a really big fan of Garfield in the same way that Katie is. Um, I I don't know. He's just such a weird piece of Americana that is. Um, he's so stable than what he is that it's very easy to make comedy based on Garfield. So um, a couple of years ago, I I thought it would be very funny to change my Twitter handle to or my Twitter name to just garfield official because i realized that the official garfield twitter account is not verified right right 
And um, so I changed it to Garfield Official. And then just every couple of days, I would just post Garfield facts. Yeah. Just like uh, Garfield fact number seven. Uh, he has a, There's a dog named Odie in Garfield strips or whatever. <laughs> and um, while I was doing this, um, I noticed that there was... Um, the official Garfield account, the actual Garfield account, was doing a Q&A with Garfield if you did the hashtag Ask Garfield. And I realized very quickly, <laughs> like, okay, I could probably answer these questions faster than their social media team can. And because neither of our accounts are verified, people aren't going to be right, able to tell right, the difference right. between which Garfield account is the real <laughs> one or fake. And like... It was really easy because people would just ask, like, what's your favorite food? And it's like, lasagna is great, you know. Uh, and uh, it was super funny. It got, like, write-ups from the AV Club. And mm -hmm. I also got blocked by <laughs> the Go Comics account no! that uh, was facilitating it. Uh, and weirdly enough, um, one of the things I was tweeting about was, like, I tweeted about Olive Garden for some reason. And the official Olive Garden account thought that I was the official guard. They thought that I was the official Gar uh, Garfield account. So they they offered to like send me like a catered Olive Garden dinner, <laughs> and I uh, I jumped into their DMs and I was like I'm not on the official Garfield account, but I do love Olive Garden. So then they sent me like a twenty dollar <gasps> wow, gift card nice. for pretending to be Garfield. The Garfield grift is real. Yeah, it was lucrative. A, it was a real Garfield <laughs> grift. Um, and I don't know. I just like doing bits around Garfield. So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I'll probably do some Garfield bits. Well, that's just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I have a I have a swole Garfield that someone crocheted me based on a D and D character that I made, which is a swole field, which is an extremely buff and muscular Garfield. Uh, do you have pictures uh, of this? Because I have to see this. Yeah. Let me get them for you. Here he is posing with my <laughs> ukulele. Okay, uh, I'm looking at Swolfield holding <laughs> a ukulele. That is delightful. Um, and that was knitted by Nicomander42 on uh, Twitter. So thank you for that. I, I cherish him every day. That's And I kiss nice. his butthole every day. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know the love is real, is mm -hmm. if you're willing to kiss a cat's butthole. This is part of my, my satanic ritual, is kissing yeah. Garfield's butthole. Look, I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Garfield was real, and he had a butthole. I'd be eating that butt. <laughs> the Satanists of the lasagna order. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, if that's not already a cult, we should start that cult. Well, we did it just now. It's it started. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you got anything else... To plug? Yeah, uh, so I guess the, the main thing I'd plug is um, just uh, follow me on social media. Uh, my Twitter account is at JoeyTainment. My uh, Instagram is at uh, JoeyClift with like five eyes. I was going to take JoeyClift, but a 12-year-old took it, so I oh, really, really messed that up. <laughs> um, and then um, this is uh, not out yet, but I have um, an animated short film that's uh, currently going through the film festival circuit. Um, it's called... Um, things very long it's called telling people you're native american when you're not native is a lot like telling a bear you're a bear when you're not a bear it's about weird racial microaggressions people make about natives the name is 24 words long and uh that's going to be online real soon probably in the next month or so so uh yeah i don't know follow me on socials look out for that it's super great that i think that's yeah, good other check than that, that out. if you have a cat or you know a cat, pet that cat. I'm, so I'm going to promote cats. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us on all of the various internet things that go on. Uh, we're on CreatureFeaturePod.com, CreatureFeaturePod on Instagram, CreatureFeetPod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's something very different. Uh. Uh, and I am at Katie Golden. And of course, as always, I am at Poe Bird Rights, where I make sure that birds have the tools necessary for our own distraction. Uh. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, come back next Wednesday for more Creature Feature. If you're liking the show, hit all of the nice buttons below the episode, like all the stars and the reviews and things. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their totally tubular tune, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, join the Garfield cult. <laughs> Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.